Thanks for tuning in to the Know and Do podcast. I am your host, Justin Barton. Now, before jumping into this meaningful, meaningful to me conversation with my grandmother, I just want to say how much I really am enjoying doing these long-form conversations with good people who have experienced growth and obtained wisdom throughout their lives. These lessons learned and stories told come from experiences that have been both positive and painful, but the lessons were learned either way. I have experienced that wisdom learned through observation and application can be very helpful to me, but even more so is wisdom earned, often through painful failures and sometimes embarrassing situations. Yes, these lessons hurt, but to me, it is a much more powerful lesson and one that sticks with me longer. I have several more of these conversations in the queue and lined up, but I'm always looking for more people with life lessons and wisdom, learned and earned, that they are willing to share with me and the listening audience of Know and Do. My ideal interview would be with someone who is nearer the end of his or her life than the beginning, and has a story to tell and is willing to share the good and the not-so-good so that others can learn from their experiences. This conversation is also hoped to be a kind of legacy where the person involved can impart some of the more important things to their children, grandchildren, and on down the line for generations to come. If you know anyone that fits this description and who would be willing to have a recorded conversation with me, please email me at knowanddopodcast at gmail.com and let me know how to contact them. I will gladly initiate the contact and see how it might work out. Also, if you find the Know and Do podcast to be of value to you, please share it with your friends and family. Please subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please rate and review us on that same service. You may also follow Know and Do on Facebook. Just search Know and Do and like us and like us and leave us a note to let us know what you like most or what you would love to hear. Now, onto the conversation with Evelyn Barton, or as I know and love her, Grammoose, my father's mother and the last living person of that generation in my family line. In this conversation, we will range over her life and experiences in faith journeys, marriage, family, world travel, hope for change, and love of spouse and of family. I'm here with my Grammoose, Evelyn Barton, one of my favorite people in the whole world. So, Grammoose, I'm just going to call you Grammoose throughout the whole thing, if you don't mind, okay. or Grandma, however it comes out. That's fine. But um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about what you're doing now and how your life is now, and then we'll go backwards and, and talk about where you come from after that. Well, my life is very different and interesting now. I've been married a little over 19 months to Warren Steffi, and we did prenups, so I'm still Evelyn Barton, mm -hmm. and he's Warren Steffi. We go out and eat quite a bit. Uh, he exercises on a stationary bicycle, and uh, he does go to work one day a week, which he's done for several years now. He has a couple of granddaughters that are the secretary and write his checks and and sometimes his stepson is there. He's like a building mechanic and changes all the filters because he owns a shopping center on uh, Main Street in Power. Wow. So they do really good business on that corner. So how old is Warren? He's 90. 90. And how old are you? <laughs> 86 to be 87 on the 31st oh, well, <laughs> of this month. Early happy birthday to you. Thank you. So you guys are just spring chickens, both yes, of you, uh -huh. and yeah. been married 19 months, and <laughs> you two look like you're really happy together every time I see you. So we are. That's really neat, and it's really um, inspiring, I guess, to see a new start at a, you know, an advanced age. That's right. <laughs> so tell me how that happened. Let, let's kind of dig into that a little bit. <laughs> well, the first time I really ever saw him, I... I, I live at a independent and assisted living, the Citadel, and they had a 
jewelers that came and set up some outside of the building and some inside. Well, I was outside and there was one that was red and green and silver for Christmas. So it must have been like October time frame. And I picked out a necklace and a bracelet and some earrings and I was about to pay for it. And he come up and he said, oh no, I'm paying for it. Hmm. And I'm going, uh, <laughs> I've seen you, but I don't know you. <laughs> I said, you can't do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> and that was kind of our first introduction. <laughs> we have a, a branch of the church there. Mm. And so he was the greeter mm. and I was playing the piano. And so that kind of got things started. And then he started knocking at my door <laughs> and he would say, I'd open it that far because <laughs> I was usually in my pajamas or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it just kind of went on from there, and then he asked me out for dinner, and, and I went out with him, and I remember I come and I said, this will never work. <laughs> he can't hear, and he talks so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakenly, it did work. It took a little while and that, but we've been very happy. We tease a lot. He tells me he loves me every time he turns around. He's mm. just a sweet, kind, gracious man. Well, that's really neat. That little romance story developed <laughs> from a, hey, I'll, I'll buy that for you. <laughs> that that would be kind of an interesting and shocking introduction, I guess. It was. Here, I'm going to buy that for you. <laughs> so let's back up and look back from where you came from. Tell me a little bit about your childhood, your parents, and your maybe your grandparents that you recall from when you were a little child and, and where you grew up and how you think that may have shaped you throughout your life. Well, I was born on a cold January 31st morning. We lived on Bryan Avenue at that time in a rental. And this is in Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City, yes. Okay. And uh, my father worked on automobiles and I can remember cars being out in the yard and uh, I was three and a half, and we moved to 945 E7 South, where was the home that my father's parents lived in. But my father's father was crushed between two trains, and at the age of 12, my dad had to take over the responsibility of the family and get a job. My mother uh, after they were married, never worked. She was always at home. One early thing that I remember was we were still on Bryan Avenue and we had canned peas for dinner. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> you hate them to this day, huh? <laughs> and I can't remember if I dumped them down the toilet or if I hit them underneath the table on that little <laughs> rack that's underneath there, but I got caught. <laughs> That's one of the first things I can remember. Was and, your uh, aversion to canned peas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and to this day, you'd, you'd dump them down the toilet or yeah, hide them was, on the yes. shelf underneath if, <laughs> right. if they were given to you, huh? Yeah. That's so funny. So your grandfather was in a train accident, and so your father at the age of 12 had to take over duties of helping raise the family. What did your grandmother do after that? How did she handle that, things? I really don't know. No? I, my father never talked about it. His brothers and sisters never ever talked about it, so I mm. really don't know. Did you ever know your grandmother? No. On that side? I no. did not. She had passed before you? I'm or? not sure if my brother ever knew her mm. because uh, he was 10 years older than I. I actually only had a grandmother my whole life, mm -hmm. but she lived to be 103. Wow. <laughs> so did you live near that grandmother that lived to be 103? Did you interact with her fairly regularly? Yeah, I, I did. She, uh, she had the, the home where her children were born. Uh, her husband was a carpenter. He helped with the mold of the seagull that used to be over the street on oh. State Street or Main Street. Yeah, the, the monument then, thing that was yeah, over the uh -huh. street there. Uh -huh. And then he also helped with the oxen in the baptismal fonts, oh. molds on that. 
What types of things do you recall about your grandmother that maybe when you went to her home as grandchildren, I don't know how many grandchildren you got together, everyone saw the cousins and whatever. Tell me some of those experiences, those memories. Well, I can't remember a whole lot about it. I know she had a pot that was underneath the bed because there was no bathroom in the home. Chamber pot. Uh Chamber pot, yeah. And her fridge was ice blocks and it had gunny sack stuff down and it was between two trees and that was her fridge. Wow. She played the piano till she was about my age, mm. around 85. And she had a, a beautiful table which resides in this home right now. Yes, I I love that table. Yeah. Do you know where that table came from? Any story behind it? Nope, I don't. I just know that I fell in love with it as a little girl. And I never did know what happened to her piano, but her home went to the prison in Salt Lake as a home for one of the men that worked there. And it was there for quite a while before they either built onto it or took it down. Then my Aunt Elsie, who never had children, her and Uncle Viv took my grandma in to live with them. And my grandmother had beautiful white long hair, and my aunt would brush it and put it in a beautiful bun. Kept her looking very nice, and I would take the kids there when I had children, Mm -hmm. and we'd go visit her, and we have some sweet memories. And your grandmother's name was Sarah Winter, Sarah... Winter Bacon. When you remember taking your kids to her house, what were the types of things that maybe she did or said with the kids that that you remember? The one that I remember the most is when Robin was a baby, and she said she had the eyes of an angel or something. Mm. She, Robin had big brown eyes. Mm. And she was a pretty baby, and uh, grandma liked that. And the kids used to hang around her, your dad, the sisters, and that. Mm-hmm. She was just a dear. She was only five, a four foot nine, well, and I can remember I was so happy when I got taller than her. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was so happy when I got taller than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I was like, wow, I'm getting tall. <laughs> And, and you're super tall, right? Yeah, right. I've shrunk. <laughs> yeah. You were, what, five one? Just five. Five. Five foot now straight. Now four, eleven. Now, so you had one brother, correct? Yes. And you talked about your Aunt Elsie and Uncle Viv who didn't have children. How, how many cousins did you have? I mean, tell me a little bit about mm. that interaction with cousins. Not a whole lot. Uh, usually at Christmas, we'd go to Uncle Viv and Aunt Elsie's and it would be my children and Bessie had kids and Alice had kids and that was pretty much the group that Mm -hmm. would be there we'd have dinner and most of those were nice Mm -hmm. I remember my father drank too much and I took him into the bedroom and gave him a lash talk (laughs) give him a talking to yeah I did I felt so bad but he was acting weird like someone that's had too much to drink but that's what happened so how did that experience or maybe the fact that you know sometimes your father had too much to drink how did that affect you moving forward what types of decisions did that lead you to make I think it was disgusting to me and of course he smoked cigars and a pipe and he had a bucket that he spit in which was bad and then I can remember a car that we had in the back seat there was a box where he kept his tools by the door the window and that's where I'd sit but when he'd spit out the window it would come back and I (laughs) that disgusted me yeah in fact Warren's dad did the same thing oh wow I assume that created an aversion to those types of choices of, Mm -hmm. you know, drinking and smoking and spitting and whatever. You didn't want to involve yourself with that too much. Is that correct? Correct. So now tell me a little bit about your teenage years and then how you met my grandfather. Well, 
I loved all the boys in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we used to climb trees and roller skate, play games, marbles, flip the knife, whatever you used yeah. to call that. And so you got along with the boys better than yeah, you did with I the did, girls. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I did have a couple of girlfriends that mm -hmm. uh, I had for quite some time. And uh, the one girlfriend, her mother had tuberculosis, and she was up in... Ogden where she had to stay and couldn't be at home mm. and I always felt bad for Miriam that way but she had a younger sister that was born I don't know what you would call it in those days but she didn't talk too good mm. and that and she had a hard time walking mm. and that and she lived to be quite ageful. Mm. So but she had some disabilities yeah, from the get-go. Yes, she did. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. but they were sweet girls and I enjoyed them. Um, I had not very many dates, but I did have some dates, and I went with a boy in the ward. He was a little bit younger than me, but we had good times together. Usually you go to a movie or Garden Gate Ice Cream, which was on 9th South between mm -hmm. uh, 9th and 10th East. That's where you'd hang out, and that's right. where my cousin lived not far from there, mm -hmm. Paul. and. We were good friends, and mm. he had some cute uh, friends, and mm. I got acquainted with them through him. We had a good time that way. And then on a, on a Sunday, I went to church. It would be like, mother. well, it was Mother's Day mm. because we handed out flowers. And I saw this guy sitting with a lady and a little girl. And I thought, wow, she married young. <laughs> and so I got questioning a couple of people in that and found out he was a brother to her husband. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't see him. That was like Mother's Day till September, mm. October time frame. And he came back and I was, uh, I played the piano in, at Mutual and he was a secretary and one night us girls were down the street a little bit from the church house and there was a arc light that was there and he walked under that and I whistled at him <laughs> and he had no idea who it was and it took a long time before he found out and it was one of your big loud whistles that you yeah, could do right yeah that I used to be able to yeah. do he heard your it whistle, your whistles are legendary yes they are <laughs> I feel so bad I can't do them anymore no. but then it was basically church and mutual that I would see him and then we had a, a hayride that was supposed to happen around October mm -hmm. and he asked me if I wanted to go on that so mm -hmm. I said yes but it had rained and uh wheels of the wagons were sunk so we had to we went to the Legrand ward where Legrand Richards actually lived in th that ward area and was our state president and he uh, had apples that we had to go get and they had us chew crackers and then whistle oh <laughs> <laughs> he chewed crackers and couldn't whistle and spit it all over the place yeah. <laughs> oh, naughty word. <laughs> oh, naughty word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we laughed, so <laughs> we had kind of a fun evening that way. That was our first date. <laughs> Were you able to whistle with the crackers oh, yeah. in your mouth? Do you recognize that whistle at that point? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. I know that whistle. <laughs> yeah, I heard that before. And, and then you just uh, ended up, you know, you dated for and then got married, huh? Yeah, on... Uh, we got engaged on for Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. but he was in St. George. Mm, that's right. He was from St. George. <laughs> yeah. He went to St. George, and I was still in Salt Lake, and and that probably was the night I got unhappy with my father because mm. we were, uh, I had turned my ring around so they couldn't see it, oh, uh -huh. and then we announced that I was engaged, and uh we decided we'd get married in June, but as most couples held hands, both hands and that, we decided to get married in March. So March the 30th, 1950, we were married in the Salt Lake Temple. Mm. And on his records, he died on 
March the 30th, 1950. Yeah. And it took until 2005. And I, we were in the Bloomington Ward in St. George before the record was corrected. So he was dead all those yeah, years, all according those years, to the church yes. records. And I had a person from the Cannon family, which he's a part of a Cannon, mm-hmm. and uh, they were doing his work. And I said, oh, that's the day we were married. He never died. Right. He's still alive. And uh, that... She was quite angry with me. And I was angry with her, I right. guess. Let her know I wasn't sweet. Oh, that's funny. So tell me a little bit about your early marriage and then the family, Your, you know, how many kids and the breakdown of that, and kind of some of the things that maybe the lessons you learned during that time through good and through hard times. Of course, your dad, Bob, was the first born and it was a good thing because he's the only boy and I remember I left Blaine babysitting him your grandpa and I come home and we were renting this duplex that had mice galore and he had let him get those shredded wheat and he put them all over and what a mess to clean up and that was not very happy times (laughs) (laughs) And then your dad, he just grew up so fast, and he was in a crib that the sides were up, and we had had Blaine's brother David with us for dinner, and I had had a chocolate cake, and Bob was in the crib, and we went out talking to the neighbors and come back in, and Bob was sitting on the table eating chocolate cake. (laughs) About how old was he here? Nine months. So he had climbed out of his crib, worked his way over to the table, climbed up on top of the table, and was was putting chocolate chocolate cake in his face. (laughs) What a mess. That's funny. He was uh, interesting. (laughs) He was a mover. (laughs) Uh, We went along for a while, and, and then we had our first daughter, Jolynn. Blaine worked for the telephone company, mm-hmm. and he started as uh, it helped dig the holes, put the poles in, uh-huh. and then he was a cable splicer. And when he was that, he'd go out of town quite a bit. We still lived in this little duplex mm-hmm. when Joe was born, and his sister Marjean would come and help me, and she'd sleep on a couch that was my grandmother Bacon's, which. She was too long for it, but that's the only place I had Mm -hmm. to put her. (laughs) But I had this phone call when Joe was two weeks old, and your grandpa had been working up on a pole in Mighton, I think it was, and the lightning, there was a storm, and the lightning hit seven miles from where he was at, and it traveled through, and because of the equipment he had on around him because he was on the top of the pole Mm -hmm. he was struck on the hip and I can't remember which one but he had a lightning streak on his hip the only thing that saved him most people die is he screamed and his helper said the fire had come out of his uh, eyes and mouth and everything and apparently that started his heart back up Wow. Well, they had quite a time getting him down off of the pole, and uh, he had to stay in the hospital. And I had no car because he'd taken the car to work. There was no way I could leave with the baby anyway, and uh, so I was frantic for a while, and it was scary. But but how long was it from the time that happened until you were reunited? About three days. And from that time on, if he sat in a chair, he would go to sleep. Hmm. He just uh, didn't have the strength. And he got a peptic ulcer from it that was caused from the lightning. And the doctor just said, I have no idea why you're still alive. Hmm. And so that was a scary thing for me with having this little 
two-week-old baby. And and my and, dad, and who was... your dad running around. Well, probably two years old or so <laughs> yeah, at that point. Yeah, uh -huh. about like that. So we had some interesting times. Your dad used to hold his breath and pass out. When he was throwing a tantrum or something? Yeah, or, yeah. and uh, it started at six months, and he was like two and a half for a quip. And we had by then moved to Orem, and we lived in a home that had apples around it mm. and mice again. <laughs> <laughs> we had some pigs that mm. we'd go out and look at and take your dad out and mm -hmm. walk out there while he pulled a tantrum. So we left him, mm. went back in the house. He never did it again. It uh, frightened him, I guess. I'll bet. I wished I'd have known that earlier <laughs> and I would have walked away, but we had some embarrassing things with people when you go to a grocery store or something that we're going to report you and call the cops and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> My dad, Bob, Jolyn, and then you had... Kay was next, mm -hmm. and... Uh, I was really pregnant, and Grandpa was working up in Logan. Mm -hmm. So he had I, regained strength enough yeah, to, to yeah, get back just, to work by yeah, then. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. He uh, said I had to walk the calves. Well, I was pretty pregnant, and the one calf just would get behind me and shove me. Uh -huh. And I finally, when I was about eight months pregnant, and he came home, from Logan, I said, I can't do this anymore. And he didn't believe me. We went for a walk, and what happened? The calf did that. Mm. He felt terrible. Mm. He said, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> so I did not know that you had calves. Yeah, we so, did. So we, tell me about that. Two beautiful ones. We had wonderful meat from them. <laughs> mm. And you raised them from calves to slaughtering age, uh -huh. and, yes. and then uh -huh. uh, did that. We did. Did you do that just that one time? Uh -huh. or? That one time. And then we had a couple of pigs, mm. and, and this was all in Orem, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, in that place with the apples and the mice. <laughs> and uh, we had a pen, but the pigs were so little they could get out, uh -huh. so we had to redo it. But we lost them. And by the pen, there was a big, we had a big thing of apples with tarp over it. And you could hear the noise and the, they were making it. So, yeah, so we fixed it so they couldn't get out anymore and put them in there. And they grew to be quite big. Quite big. And they were I didn't delicious ever walk too. them. <laughs> yeah, they were delicious too. And in that process of time is when Kay was born. Hmm. And JoLynn was very jealous, and she didn't like to have the baby anywhere, even in her crib. That was a hard time. Yeah. JoLynn wanted to be the baby. Yeah, and, she wanted to be the baby. Yeah. And consequently, she didn't train before Kay did. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was my hard child. Yeah. There's always one that's usually there's a hard one. We built a home in Orem on Main Street, and that's where your dad learned to ride a bicycle. Mm. And he was thrilled. We lived across the street from the elementary school, and we built this nice home with a basement and uh, lived in it quite a while. We went back up to Salt Lake and rented a home in Kearns, which was quite a ways from work, but that's oh, a friend owned it. And we rented that. Then Grandpa got the mumps. Whoa. So he as was, an adult, he got the yeah, mumps. Yeah, as an adult, he got the mumps. Now, that's something that doesn't happen much anymore, but I I always thought the mumps were a childhood disease, kind of like chicken pox. But mm -hmm. he got them as an adult. So tell me how that went. Uh, it was tough. Mm -hmm. He had a really hard time because generally on a man, it goes down. Mm -hmm. And uh, But he was lucky. It didn't, but he he really suffered for quite a while with mm. that. We didn't live out there too long, but mm. we had an old couch that was in a garbage can in the backyard, and he told me to put gas on it and burn yeah. it up, and that was interesting. <laughs> I lit that match, <laughs> boom, 
there <laughs> and it was snowy uh-huh. but there were patches of dry weeds and mm. it was going up the neighborhood in Uh-oh. the backyard <laughs> Uh-oh. not one person nobody come to help me and of Uh-oh. course it blew me back on the ground you're missing some eyebrows or something yeah, after something. that for a little and while i had a shovel <laughs> and i was pounding on this fire to get it out and get it contained <laughs> that was a scary moment wow <laughs> So how long do you think you had to fight that before the fire stopped spreading into the neighborhood? Well, it was uh, 20 minutes to a half oh, hour. Oh, wow. So it would, you were, it, it, you were yeah. doing pretty good trying yeah, to get that knocked really, down. It probably it felt like oh, hours. scared me to death. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for quite a while. So that's in Kearns, and then... Um, and then we moved uh, up on 14th. East and 42nd South, we bought a home from some people that left out of state, and they had tulips, no flags, iris, in the backyard, clear across the back, Mm. about a foot wide, and Grandpa got sick of looking at them. Oh, really? And so he mowed them down, (laughs) and interesting enough, the people that we bought from come back and wanted to buy the home back. Oh. But the iris were there. They were gone. The, I mean, they didn't die, but right. the, I mean, they were down on the ground. They were down. <laughs> or whatever. That's funny. So he didn't like the irises, huh? No, he didn't. They were beautiful. Mm-hmm. They were really nice. So why do you think he didn't like them? I really don't know. He oh. never, never did he say. Just, like, done when mowing. <laughs> we fun. used to go back and forth to St. George with the kids and mm-hmm. Rula his sister lived there and they had kids about the age of uh, their three like Kay, Joe and Bob and they had Martin who was a little older than Bob and they used to kind of fight with each other and Jolyn and Alice and then Kay and Cherie then they had Michael, and I. We had Robin, mm. so we we rented a home with more mice. <laughs> <laughs> mice just loved you guys. Uh, no, or did no. you love the mice? Which was it? <laughs> well, I used to throw cereal at them, <laughs> and then catch them at night and flush them. <laughs> uh, we rented this home on Wilshire. It's when your dad tried to open a jar with a table knife and it went up his nose. Oh. And that that, that was an owie. Yeah. <laughs> but then that's when we had Robin. And uh, he was working night shift. And I was very pregnant and I was quilting. Well, I tried to get down off the couch under the quilting. It took forever <laughs> I thought I would die and then about the time I expected him home I went out and hid behind a tree <laughs> wrong thing to do well, so, so why did you do that to me you thinking oh uh-huh <laughs> I scared him to death <laughs> he was gonna trounce me good <laughs> oh, but we got over that while we were living in that we built a home on Sycamore Drive and that was a nice home with a basement. We had a big backyard. We had beautiful plums trees. And uh, Robin was just four months old or something when we moved there. So you moved a lot. And we I, did. And I, and I know with my dad, I've talked to him about that. He said he moved, I can't remember how many times in the first 18 or 20 years of his life. Yeah, it was a lot. The first 12 years, we never lived in the same home at Christmas. So you were moving a lot. Yeah. And it was with work that was... Yeah, uh-huh. was we lived out right? before Bob. We were out in Roosevelt, and then we were in Payson and different places like that. They just mm. needed work there, and we just went and lived in motels. And Followed the work. And this was all with the phone company? This, yeah, this all whole with time. the phone company, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he had... I think it added up to 34 years. Mm-hmm. Started in 49 and left in 82. And I remember his retirement party when I was young. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably seven or eight years old when when that happened. But I remember that. So you, you moved a lot through those years. What are some what was your favorite house that you lived in during that time? 
Well, I really liked the holiday home. Mm -hmm. That was nice. We had good neighbors. Mm -hmm. One was from St. George, and uh, the one on the other side used to cut my hair. We had a good ward, and the fellow that we bought the property from, and his crew built the home, mm -hmm. actually. It worked out really good. And they were, that was nice time. It only had one garage. A one-car garage. Yeah, yeah, and not a very tall one. But uh, I like that pretty well. That yeah. was pretty nice. So as you are looking back at that, when you think of home during that time when you are raising your kids, is that the home that you think of when you think of home? The home I think of is Bloomington and Pine Valley. Those are the favorite. And those are the ones that you lived in for, I don't know. I'm 19 and a half years in Bloomington. It was 19 and a half years in Bloomington. And we bought the cabin in, in Pine Valley. 69 from his mother because mm -hmm. his dad had passed away. I think that's the year he died. He was 63. Okay. He was young. He had cancer. So did my dad. Huh. I remember... You guys building the home in, well, in Winchester Hills and then in Bloomington and then Pine Valley, the cabin there is, it's still, even though it's not in the family anymore, it's still I know. my favorite place in the whole world. It just got, every time we went up, Grandpa would have to go to bed. He couldn't do anything, so I'd end up mowing grass and that, and uh, he just decided he couldn't do it anymore, and so we sold it. It was sad, but all the kids, you know, wanted it, but we still had to take care of it. So, and we couldn't do it anymore because mm -hmm. I couldn't do it alone. Yeah. So what are some um, of your favorite memories with Grandpa as you look back? What are some of the favorite things that you did in your life that you, you know, recall most fondly? Water skiing, snow skiing, working at the farm. Mm. That was hard. And that he was would, in Delta? That was Delta Oasis. And uh, he'd work all night. Doing and watering. I, and when it was water turning, I'd pass him on the road and I'd work all day. Mm -hmm. And we'd pass each other on the road and he would be down. That was a three-day water deal. And that, that took a lot out of both of us. How old were you at that time when you're doing this, the, the farm well, there in Delta? We bought it while we were in Iran, and uh, we came back in 78, and we'd already bought it, because Eldon was taking care of it, and we did that until 80. The late 80s. Yeah. Because I remember, I went to the farm a lot. Don't know how much work I did, but I went and played a lot and was there a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now we got to go back because yeah. you said we bought it when we were in Iran. <laughs> I know. Why were you in Iran? Tell us about that. And, and who was all there with you? Well, I left out one one baby. Yes. Uh, Danny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Danielle. Yes. <laughs> uh, Where was she born and, and when about? She was born in Provo. We, uh, well, in all the process of this, we moved out to Price, Utah. And I was glad to get away from there. We kind of lost our testimonies for a little while. Mm. We got mixed up with the JCs, and they lived a different kind of life than mm. we did. And there were so many of them. They were friends and that, but it was not a great experience. Mm. And I, I regret those years. Mm. I, but, uh, I'm glad I had him because yeah. I grew from that. And uh, we left Price and went back to Provo. Do you mind if I dig a little bit there and ask a few more questions about okay. that? Is that okay? Mm -hmm. So you said we kind of lost our testimonies there. What were some of the things that led to that? Probably that the made... travel trophies and the parties and just the kind of people that they were. What types of things did you do with, with these people? I mean, travel trophies, What I don't know we'd, what that is. We'd visit all over the state of Utah, uh -huh. and uh, we would go on a lot of them. And we had one fellow that was our president of the club, and then he ran for 
prison of the state. And then we took a trip back to, I think it was Louisiana, and he ran for national, and he won. And this is with the JCs? Mm -hmm. This is with the JCs. What does JC stand for? Junior Chamber of Commerce. Okay. And we were called JCs and JCettes. Okay. We were that. When Blaine turned 36, he was an exhausted rooster. And they called me a poop pullet. <laughs> <laughs> an exhausted rooster and a poop pullet, huh? <laughs> that was a span of a few years, I take it. Mm-hmm. And you said you had lost, you kind of lost your testimony and lost your way there. Tell me what either woke you up or changed that made you say, hey, this is maybe not what we should be doing. Part of it was that Blaine wasn't worthy to baptize Joe and Kay. Hmm. And I think Bob was nine when we moved there. And I can't remember if he baptized Bob. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. So that was kind of something that you were like, hmm, what's what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah. The adversary got both of us. Yeah. Hooked us. And... His parents came one time. and So Grandpa's parents came uh-huh, one time. Yeah, uh-huh. Grandpa's parents came to visit. and It was just a bad experience. And from I think from that time on is when I started fighting, wanting to get out of Price because mm-hmm. of the friends we had. Mm-hmm. They just, uh, it was hard on the kids and that we'd go. And Robin never wanted us to leave she didn't want to be babysat and she was a character she'd disappear and you couldn't find her and you'd look and call neighbors and go and everything and Bob slept upstairs in the home we had in Price on the the floor we lived on Mm -hmm. and the girls lived in the basement and he had twin beds in that room and if you'd look hard, you'd find her on the floor behind a bed. Hmm. But <laughs> she was able to disappear back there somehow. Yeah, huh? and we did that until it finally sunk in. <laughs> look there first before you get upset. <laughs> <laughs> she pulled out uh, drawers on a where we kept medicine up above mm. and linen below mm-hmm. and made steps, and she would take pills oh. and eat them. Well, yeah. She took some purple pills that she had when you got the foot disease. We had to take her and get her stomach pumped. From then on, she never got into the pills. She didn't get into them again. It wasn't a pleasant experience. It was not a pleasant experience. So as you came, I'm going to kind of go in a prodigal son type direction. The prodigal son came to himself. So as you came to yourself, was it a mutual thing? Was it more you saying, hey, we've got to do this? Was it Grandpa saying, hey, we've got to make some changes? Tell, tell me kind of what what happened there and who led the way out, I guess. Well, we moved back to Provo from Price and I got pregnant with Danelle. And one day I just said, we're going to have this baby soon. And I said, if you don't straighten up like we should be and you can't bless Danelle or baptize Robin, Mm because that's how far apart they were. I'm leaving. I scared the tar out of him. Hmm. So he made himself worthy. It's just the people in the telephone company just, they weren't good. Uh, They were nice friends, but they weren't good. The adversary just grabs hold of you and you do things you shouldn't. But he straightened up. And we went back and took the temple class and at that time we found that my father had cancer mm. and I called his bishop and uh, they, were, they were taking the temple class too. Mm. Actually, my father had looked out the window and looked up and saw the chapel up there and he asked Mama, and he called her Mama, we need to go to church. Mm. And then they decided they wanted to go to the temple. Well, I had to get special permission because we were just taking that class to renew our covenants and uh, had to call their bishop and explain to him, well, 
that was May. Mm -hmm. We went and did that, and then he died in December. So it worked out good. My mother was not happy because my brother couldn't join. He was way gone further than me his whole life, I guess. We were not close with 10 years apart. 10 years apart, yeah. I I don't ever remember him at Christmas, even, to be home. I Mm. just... It's just one of those things I do not remember. So your parents made a decision, hey, we've got to, there's the chapel, we Mm -hmm. need to go to church, and let's go through the temple. And it was about the same time where you were like, we need to do the same thing Mm -hmm. and get back. right. We had our boat, and a member of the bishopric came down the street, and we were washing it. And he said, oh, I see you don't have a name for your boat. Mm-hmm. He said, I know what we could call it, the Sabbath Breaker. And that's stung. That's a little, that's stung. That's a little <laughs> pinprick in the side. Yeah. Huh? So when he said that, I can't imagine that you laughed at that at the time. Oh, no. No. No, no. So, so there was probably some, that was not very nice type stuff. Yeah. But what, what effect did that have on you? That brought the the effect because of Danelle saying, I was going to leave. Yeah. You know, straighten up. But we were living in Provo at that time, not Mm -hmm. far from the temple, Mm -hmm. in fact. So as you work your way back, um, coming back to, you know, from the prodigal son, come to yourself, you guys Mm -hmm. are coming back. What changes in your lives happened from that time forward? How did things change in your family? How do things change with your um, posterity? Well, I think they were pretty good. We, My father passed away, and then we moved to Ogden and rented a home. Then we decided to buy a home. They were going to put me in the Relief Society, and they were crushed because I was leaving because they never had two counselors for a long time. Mm. And I felt bad, but we moved up on Windsor Hill. And then we had Nate Tanner, who was our bishop. And I think he changed our lives totally. What was some of the, yeah, how did that happen? What were some of the things he did or said that that helped out with that? And he had Blaine be his uh, executive secretary. Hmm. And... Uh, they they were close, and he had a son named Paul, and Kay was fond of Paul, and mm. Paul was fond of Kay. Mm-hmm. He had a lot to do with our life. Mm. Very neat. He, just, he was a neat man. Well, it's good to have those types of people in our lives that help mm. shepherd and help, you know, whack us upside yeah. the head if we need it and, and help love us if, if we need that, too. That's you know? right, yeah. So now all of your kids are born, you're walking your path. Now, how did you get to Iran? Let's talk about that, because let's get back to where we were there, unless I'm missing something in the middle that's really important that you want to talk about. Well, we moved to Littleton, Colorado, and that was a bad experience for Robin. And how old was she then? She was in high school. Okay. Kay graduated from high school there. She, well, and JoLynn had gone on a mission, and Kay went back to Ogden to live. And Robin just were, uh, was with the wrong crowd all, all together. But she left little things around to know that what she was doing wasn't right so that I'd find them. And we had quite a time with her, but uh, I can't remember how the gentleman it worked out. Herb, his last name was Herb. Huh. And he offered Blaine to go to Iran. And we had to make a trip back to New Jersey to meet with him. Interesting enough, we got to visit with Joel Lynn. She was on her mission. And we got to visit with her while we were being interviewed by, I'm going to say Al Herb, and everything. And he wanted us to go. And to Iran. Of course, we had to think about it. You mm-hmm. know, we talked with the family and right. everything, and because it, uh, it was a big decision. But we were ready to leave Denver. Also, we visited with Jolene and that, and she was doing okay. 
and uh, we come back and the biggest problem was that he had to leave last November, 1st of December and go over and we didn't go over till I think it was in February. So he was alone for quite a while before we got there. Right. And that was an interesting country. We had an interesting landlady, and she couldn't speak English, and I couldn't speak Farsi. And uh, we had some funny, uh, laughable experiences. Are there any of those that stick out in your mind that you are willing to share a funny, laughable <laughs> experience there? I got hit in a taxi cab. Hmm. And I had the biggest, ugliest bruise because I hit the door, and uh, I never saw that taxi driver again. Hmm. He was uh, on opium or something. And, and I could see the car coming at us, and he just kept going through the intersection. <laughs> and it was crazy, and all these Iranians came to help me get out of the car and I had no idea where I was at because mm. we were headed to where I wanted to go but we weren't there right <laughs> and it was interesting trying to get another cab driver to come and get me because they paid our way uh, that's how we traveled mm -hmm. and then to get hold of Blaine at Seek Switch and the hospital <laughs> it was very trying and the women were really kind and Actually, the men were that were there too. It's uh, well, quite surprising because mm -hmm. we saw many times where a man would pull a woman out of a out of his car and beat the crap out of her. Mm -hmm. It just it was bad. And we saw two guys arguing with each other, and this one guy was short, and the other guy was tall, and he took a hold of him and. His forehead against his and knocked the guy out. Wow! wow. <laughs> Just strange experiences, but we had some f fun ones too. It was interesting to go shopping, and uh, the women wouldn't let Grandpa move forward. They they elbowed you under their doors. Oh, they, okay. They would just walk like this. <laughs> and <laughs> make sure you kept, don't get past uh -huh, them. Huh? He kept getting back further, and finally the guy that had the marker wherever we were would go like that mm -hmm. so I would drag plane up <laughs> and it was funny we got we had a lot of laughter about that and we loved their bread that they threw uh, their dough up against rocks and baked it okay and in the winter we'd buy two of them that was wrapped in newspaper and he put it in his his uh, coat and we'd nibble on it all oh, the way home oh, it was yeah. so good we so that was, was that about the time when the Shah, let's see, I'm trying to remember Iranian yeah. history, the we Shah was... We, le we left before the Shah got okay. boosted. Okay. But that was... it was, because of that that you left, or was it all in the plan? Oh, no, it was, we were, made a new resume up and everything mm -hmm. and wanted to get out. Because things were getting ugly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Were, Jimmy Carter came over mm -hmm. at New Year's and caused a commotion. Mm. And that's when things all started to fall apart. You became unsafe. Robin graduated from the American Tehran High School, and Danny was in grade school. We lived on the top floor of the apartment house, mm -hmm. had a swimming pool, and Danny got hooked up on a... They had lighting around the pool, and she got hung up, and Kayvon carried her up to the doctor's office, but there was nothing they could do to... They couldn't soar up or anything, but she just bled. It was scary. Wow. But she's been okay. Yeah. It's just one of those weird things that happens in mm -hmm. life. So you got out of Iran, and that was, I think if I remember correctly, I was born while you were in Iran. I was born in 75, and I think I might have been born when you were in Iran. Is that? It was the twins. Because they called us in the middle of the night, and <laughs> I remember screaming my head off. <laughs> twins, twins, <laughs> like your mom and dad. Twins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were shocked. It was a too. shock to them yeah. too. So you came back here for a little while. It wasn't very long. You went back to Saudi Arabia. What? Tell me what led to that. 
when we come back working at the farm mm-hmm. and uh, Dean Bagley who had worked in uh, Iran and also uh, grandpa knew him before that and interesting enough he called me the other day oh really I didn't know he's still alive wow because I hadn't heard from him for a couple of years he mm-hmm. usually called Christmas wishes mm-hmm. and uh, he's 94 wow but he called and uh, he and Virginia were living in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and asked Blaine if he'd like to come over. So we thought about it. Interesting experience because it was way different than Iran. Mm. But we was had built that building at the farm, right. shed and everything. And Grandpa was putting up the thing for the roof. I don't remember what they're called, but they were hooked together and he took the nippers and they went like that. Well, he broke a couple of ribs. And so when he left for Iran, or for Saudi Arabia, he was in horrible trouble. He hurt so bad. Mm. And he went September. I think he was there four months. And I couldn't get a visa Mm. because I had worked as a secretary in Iran in Sikhs, which um, was, I don't know if they thought I was a spy or mm. what it was, but it took a while. But he came home and got me, mm. and we went back, and it was around Valentine's time, and uh, we were going to walk over and see Dean, because he lived a couple of streets from us, mm-hmm. and the police were out in front of his house. Well, they took him to jail, and he uh, he never got out of jail, and they deported him, and he had to leave. Well, I had to go to their apartment and sort things out, and I got so sick with the migraine, it was horrible. But I found Iranian money and all you know all kinds of stuff that they have, and they they were going to come and pack up their stuff, and then had to leave what belonged to the Saudis there in the. That was scary. Then they went to the Relief Society president and deported them. Wow. Her her husband. Why were they being deported? Well, the bishop, the one that was in charge before Dean, went to work and bragged about something or other. And uh, he had a son that was a priest. And they went to his home and found all these pictures of uh, our church and stuff. Mm. And... He bad-mouthed a Saudi or something. He got in, in trouble anyway. They deported him. And so it was religious-type Yeah, thing, it was a religious okay. thing. And he kept, they kept looking for the priest, and they could never find him because mm. it was his son, right. you know, that had gone home with him. And so we didn't have, they forbid us to have church because mm. we were too loud, sang too loud no. and everything. Anyway, the... A high guy in Saudi went and visited with him. Mm. He was something to do with like the an government. Like ambassador or something. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so he said, as long as you don't have more than 25 people and you're quiet, you can mm. hold your church meetings. So they made, we made two mm-hmm. different places because we had that many people. So our area, we did it in my home, and we did it for Alice and Hank's home because we didn't live very far apart. Well, when we did that, the one that had church uh, was invited to my home for dinner, and when it was at my home, we'd go to Alice's for dinner so the people wouldn't smell the food cooking. Wow. So, and and I take it you were in Iran and Saudi Arabia. Uh, Grandpa was helping set up some telecommunication things Yeah, he was a telephone. In uh, Saudi, it was the post office, the television, and the telephones. Oh. In Iran, it was uh, working with the Germans, and it was mostly telephone. And it was basically just trying to get things, infrastructure set up and and everything like that. Right, yeah. That's quite the experience there. So It was. I imagine that um, some experiences that you had that really were memorable. Mm-hmm. I imagine there were some things that were scary. You talked a little bit about yeah. some scary things. What effect do, do those experiences have on you today in the way you look at the world as a whole? I mean, did that change your outlook of, of cultures? 
No, I no. I enjoyed the people in both places. Mm -hmm. They were kind and gracious, and uh, I can't think of them as being really as mean as they're put up to be mm. because there are some just like in the United States. We've yeah. got good and bad people. Oh, absolutely. And that's the same way in other countries and that. But I have mainly good memories. There were a, a couple that were scary, but mm -hmm. uh, we lived through it and didn't get harmed, and we came home before the Shah was out, so we got all of our stuff home. Most of the other people were there when the had to stay in because they had guns and shooting, and it was chaos. So you have a positive outlook or a positive overall vision of the people as mm -hmm. a whole that you were with. So that's really great. And how, how does that affect you now when you see people of other cultures here? I mean, do you see things more open-armed and more open-eyed and, and, and more friendly? Are you more friendly yourself because of those experiences, do you I think? I think so, yeah. yeah. We do well at the Citadel. Mm -hmm. We have variety. All right. What are some of the core values, core principles in your life that you feel are most important to you that have helped you through your life? My mother was an interesting woman. She disliked a lot of things. Mm -hmm. My Uncle Viv said, Swede, don't ever be like your mother. Be as sweet as you are today. Please don't be like your mother. He and her fought constantly. She had nothing good to say about anybody. And I've had a real hard time with that. And I've, consequently, I'm good and happy with people. I've tried to live up to what he wanted me to do. Your Uncle Viv called you Swede? Yes. Tell me why because my dad was Swedish, and he just called me Swede. Now, for years and years, we've called you the Moose, Grand Moose. Where does that name come from? That came from your grandpa. Out of the blue. Out of the blue, huh? One day we were in living in Provo. We probably just moved down to Provo from Ogden, and he just called me Moose. And I went down to the mall and I bought a t-shirt that said moose is loose or something I can't remember it was a cute comical moose and that started it and, it and just then stuck, when huh? the grandkids started coming then I went to grand moose or the great grandkids maybe I was probably about it was about the time we moved to Arizona so I was probably about 12 when I think that really started sticking the grand moose thing because I remember going grand moose She's my grandma. She's not my grandmoose, but you're my grandmoose now, you know? So. Right, yeah. You talked about a key principle being more positive, seeing, seeing people more positively. How has that blessed your life and the life of those that you love? Oh, very much, because I just have to love them. Mm. I can't leave my family out like mm. my mother did. Mm. I just can't do that. They're my family, and so I speak with them, I talk with them, I'm part of their life, and I can't change that. But I accept it because they are family. Very good. What are some words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to leave with me, with your kids, your grandkids, great-grandkids, and on down the line for generations to come? Be happy, smile. Tell people you love them, hug them. Sometimes hugging causes a problem, but I was the hugging lady at the temple. Mm. I love people, and I have a fondness for oversized people because Marjean was probably one of the biggest women I had ever seen, and she was a delight. And we have a lady in the branch right now that is big like that, and she said nothing but problems and surgeries and that, but I, I love her to pieces. Mm -hmm. They just seem to have a special spirit about them. And I just want my family to know that they're all loved and that I have don't love one more than the other. I love everybody the same, but cousins and that, I just want them to love each other and be friends and mm -hmm. don't look at the bad things. Mm 
yeah. that they might do. Look at the good things. Yeah, and, and I think that that principle of love, I think that goes back in our family, at least to when I was a kid. I mean, it was very important to you mm-hmm. and Grandpa that we, all as a family, cousins and everybody, yeah. got together regularly on, you know, whether it was a, a big family home evening or a Sunday mm-hmm. dinner or whatever it was, we'd get together regularly mm-hmm. and just have a good time. And yeah. those are some of my favorite memories as a, as a oh, child yeah. are, are those those gatherings. So Those were great. And, I mean, I I look at all of my cousins here, and I I love them all, and I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for all of them. No matter what choices I make or they make, I'm grateful for that legacy that you have built and are continuing, and I I, I see it. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Grandma. Is there anything else you want to say before we close this up? No, I just... uh... I'm sure there's other things I could remember, but (laughs) some of them I've totally forgot about. Well, I've really appreciated this, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for, for all you do. Well, you're most welcome, and thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And even though I don't expect that you would love my grandmoose as much as I do, I hope you do have a love for her now that you know a little bit more about her and her history. Once again, if you know anyone or are anyone that would love to share experiences of life in a long-form conversation, please send me an email at knowanddopodcast at gmail.com. As always, my experience is that wisdom and peace in this life come from knowing the Savior, Jesus Christ, and doing as He would have me do. (laughs) 